Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Right, hey everybody and welcome to episode 20 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, good morning, guys. We're recording on Friday morning, uh, another week. How are you guys? Hey, Ben. How are you? Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, as, as as we teeter towards a nuclear holocaust and World War Three, um, you know, mm-hmm. as good as can be. Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, start the podcast off on that. On that. It'll be great for my tan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got to look at the – we could try and look at the bright side of all of this stuff, right? Like um, – so anyway, in the, in the show today, we're going <laughs> to, don't worry, it's not going to be all doom and gloom, but we are going to uh, give you an update on what's happening with Ukraine, what we think about it, uh, like the, the most recent events and whether this is going to end anytime soon, how it ends. Um, we are going to also talk about, uh, I had a big Twitter bust up with uh, our good friend, Glenn Greenwald. He's, he sicked his Twitter fans on me. You are so um, lucky. Which was pretty entertaining. Yeah. I, I texted Bob and I was like, oh, Greenwald's going after me. It was over the weekend. And Bob was like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe a, I missed the whole thing. A, 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 yeah, he's a, it, Bob's a veteran of uh, of Greenwald attacks on Twitter. Yeah, I've um, been blocked by Greenwald for almost 10 years now. 10 years. I think yeah. I'm about five years or six years he's been blocking me. He unblocked me. Anyway, we're going to talk about that. Um, he unblocked me to then block me again. Um, I'm not blocked. Yeah. Uh, I feel left good. out. Yeah. Sorry, you're not in the club. Do better, that's Justin. Good. I Do know, better. really. Exactly. God, I suck. <laughs> we've, also, we've also got both sides, our segment both sides, where we discuss how both sides are not the same, despite the media's insistence that both sides are just as bad. We take examples of absolute insane Republican bullshit and uh, highlight the fact that this does not happen on the left. And then uh, for the members-only podcast today, we're going to be talking um, to Bob, actually, about when he took down Glenn Greenwald over his NSA supposed bombshell story that um, Bob thoroughly dismantled. Anyway, it's, it's a very interesting backstory to that and how it kind of unfolded. Uh, so we're going to be yeah, talking speaking about of that. ten years, yeah, ten years, yeah, almost ten years, <laughs> a decade um, of annoying Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, one point seven million Twitter followers that guy has. So that's how he is basically the mainstream media for the deranged left and now alt right. Um, so sadly, quite an important figure. But um, anyway, so let's um, let's get going. Let's discuss. so what's been going on in um, Ukraine, the it's getting. It seems to be getting better and worse at the same time. Like the attacks, Russia's throwing like everything, bombing. Um, they just bombed a theater, the Mario Mariupol theater, uh, which there was a thousand people sheltering in place. 
and um, they, the Russians bombed it. And uh, it's um, knowing that there were kids inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really because they wrote it in very, very large letters outside the theater on both sides in Russian, and they still yeah. bombed it. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, so I, I see it going. It, it, it's going badly, right? But but there seems to be. Um, uh, there seems to be some sort of. I think the Russians now, it, it, like, they're starting to understand that they're going to have to negotiate their way out of this, right? That they're going to use that. That I don't. I think they now understand that they can't take Kiev. They've, the fact they're that losing... they're asking China for weapons is uh, catastrophically humiliating. Right. They're also they're also shipping in Syrian fighters, right? like as cannon fodder. I think there is something like thousands and thousands of kind of, 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 of Syrians are being offered uh, the payday of their lives to go and get themselves blown to pieces in, in, in Ukraine. Um, so it's, you know, I see this as, and I think most analysts now seem to agree that Russia has made a severe strategic um, mistake here, severe, and they cannot sustain these losses. Like morale is very low amongst the troops. Uh, most of the troops have no idea why they're fighting in Ukraine. They don't. They don't. They thought they were on a kind of a you know uh, just a sort of an exercise, a military exercise. Uh, it's still not being described in Russia as a war. They were just military operations in Ukraine, right? So, it, so again, like, but I, th- from what I can gather. Um, you know, they they seem seven thousand. They've lost seven thousand troops, right? Which is more than um, all troops lost in Iraq and Afghanistan over twenty years by the yeah. U.S. Have you heard that they've lost four, at, at least three, possibly four generals? Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Right. I, right. I, I, that's that's. Yeah. Have we even lost a general in the last fifty years? Has that even happened bad. once? This is in how the United badly States? it's going. Right. This is how badly it's going for the Russians, and you know the sanctions are really um, laying waste to the Russian economy. So I think you know Putin is cornered, and it seems like you know the sanctions are working. The military operation is a complete disaster. Uh, but yet the war continues and it's, you know, everybody's on edge. You know, it really is because I think that like, there's this kind of fear that this could, you know, go beyond Ukraine, right? And as soon as, you know, when NATO, we've talked about this last week, as soon as NATO gets involved, that's it. We're in World War Three, And like, I'm not being, you know, dramatic here. Like, that's what's going to happen. Uh so, you know, um, Zelensky gave a message to Congress this week. I don't know if you guys saw that or, or, or read the transcript of it, but it was a very oh, powerful yes. speech he mm-hmm. gave to, to Congress um, where he basically said, like, look, do more. You guys have to do more. Um, and if you're not going to give, you know, you're not going to um, instigate a no-fly zone, give us more weapons, give us more money. Um, and it worked, right? It worked because... He, I, you know, Congress was very impressed. This is one of those rare occasions where, for the most part, both sides—I hate using that term—seem <laughs> seem, seem to get it right. Even Republicans are like, "Okay, yeah, we need to, you know, we need to get on board with this. This is pretty serious." 
the majority of Republicans, there were a few few holdouts. I think eight Republicans vote, voted against um, uh, giving aid to Ukraine. Um, so I, it looks like, you know, that Zelensky, the Ukrainian sort of PR war has been very, very effective, I think. Uh, and they are doing a very good job of, of rallying the world behind them. Um, yeah, yeah, I can say that. Absolutely. But I just, what I wonder whether, so I don't know what your guys' thought is on, on like, what 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 is the best strategy for for you know where does this go where does this end up is putin like is this the end of putin like is this how long does that take does he do, do you think he goes further i'm a strong believer in uh, watching the sanctions uh, take effect i think the sanctions are going to have a very positive effect as far as containing vladimir putin and neutralizing his ability to wage war. I don't know how he can continue doing this, certainly not in the form of an occupation uh, without any money, with a shitty economy, with a, a nation that is basically being ground into the dirt as far as its, uh, its ability to do business. I mean, it's basically Russia is going to be rendered into a third world country unless Putin is somehow deposed or neutralized. And that has to come from inside Russia, of course. Yeah. Uh, and I, I certainly hope that on some level we've got covert operatives, uh, you know, inside the Kremlin, some sort of monitoring of Vladimir Putin. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's got to come from Russians. I think Russians, uh, whoever has the power to do this, uh, will have to. I mean, I think chess match leads to the have to of this. Putin has to be deposed. Otherwise, Russia is going to disintegrate. Russia is going to fall apart as a consequence directly of these sanctions. Now, while sanctions doesn't uh, sanctions don't stop the uh, bombs from falling, uh, certainly it doesn't stop the armies from marching toward places like Kiev and so on. Um, the long term effect is going to be uh, the end of Russia as we know it, the end of Putin as we know it. Putin is not going to survive this. This is, I mean, if you plan this as a swan song, uh, he's doing a good job of it because this is going to be <laughs> the last thing he does. And um, so I, that's as optimistic as I get about this. <laughs> of course, I'm on the edge of my seat with regard to uh, the other shoe dropping, which I wrote about for the banter a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's my ongoing concern is that the irony is the worse this goes for Vladimir Putin, the more dangerous he becomes. Yeah. And with this new tack that he's taking, which he outlined in his uh, remarks the other day, this is now becoming a genocide. I mean, it is now becoming a cleansing of Ukraine. And he, that's his stated goal. <laughs> so, and Russia. He's talking about yeah. the same thing in Russia. That's right. That's right. So I, I, again, I don't know how this continues. I don't know how he can continue this war effort without any uh, money and resources. Uh, certainly there is some still in the tank, but that can't last forever. Because as we saw from the Iraq war, it costs money to invade and occupy another nation indefinitely. And so the same yeah. applies to Russia. And Russia was starting out in a shitty place in the first place. I mean, before any of this happened, before the additional sanctions, before the entire world rose up against Vladimir Putin, the economy was in the shitter in the, at that point. So it's only getting yeah. worse. Yeah. And where are they going to get their resources? Where are they going to get their money? Uh, from Iran? 
maybe China? No, I mean, this that's not going to be free. I mean, it's, if China helps out Russia sending uh, equipment and so on, China is going to be charging for that. They're not going to be just be right. giving their resources to Russia uh, free. That is not how it works. So at some point, Vladimir Putin is going to be entirely neutralized just by the sanctions alone, without the West having, without NATO or anyone else having to fire a single shot, without no fly zones and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, meantime, you know, if we want to send some sort of humanitarian aid, some sort of defensive military aid to Ukraine, I think that's great. That's sort of where Congress is this week, uh, mm. and certainly the the White House as well. So. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that, but I think the I, I continue to urge strongly the idea of caution. I know as much as we want to make Vladimir Putin pay, we want to start firing missile-shaped things his, in his direction. It's, it's not a practical solution. It's not a practical move. Uh, we've never been in a direct shooting war with Russia, and mainly because the way those uh, rules of engagement would end up, we'd end up in a nuclear war. I just that's that's what we have to bear in mind. The reality of that. It's not some sort of thing that we see on TV. It's real. And we have to uh, bear that in mind in terms of what we're demanding of our political leadership here. And yeah, if they and just think that the people want a no fly zone. God damn it, they're eventually going to come around wanting to do that. And we have to understand what that means. And what that means is direct warfare with Russia that will include, absolutely will include, the use of nuclear weapons. Whether it's tactical nukes, whether that's one or two nukes uh, shot at some, uh, you know, fired into some city somewhere. Do we want that? I don't think we want that. So we got to be careful. Yeah, yeah just mean, to, sorry, well, just ahead. just to be clear, the the if we were to get into it, if we were to get into a direct shooting war with the Russians, considering how poorly they've been performing, it would not be even a remotely close fight. It would be absolutely one-sided. We would be slaughtering them by the tens of thousands. I mean, the Ukrainians are kicking their asses, and they are vastly outgunned and outnumbered. And they, they don't even have as good as equipment. And they're, they're, they're not losing. They should be losing very, very badly. If we rolled in there, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know about NATO, but the American military would slaughter the Russian military. They're just that bad. So now if that starts happening, what's Putin, what's Putin going to do? He would have to turn to the nuclear option. He would deploy them as tactical in the field because he would feel threatened. And he, sh he would have to feel threatened, right? right? What choice would he have? Now you have the mil American military on your doorstep destroying your mighty military, which is not nearly as mighty as you thought it was. You spent billions of dollars over the last decade and you got bupkis for it. You got absolutely nothing for it. The American military would roll in there and annihilate you. Now they're on your doorstep. He would feel absolutely pressured to start dropping nukes on the military, if only to keep them away from the border. So, yeah, yeah and, we and, cannot and, get and, into and a I shooting think, war with them. We can't. Yeah, there was there was a piece in the in the New York Times about about all the war games that have been that get planned out. I don't know if I can scare the living daylights out of me. Um, when when they do these simulations about what happens if there if there is a wider conflict, 
um, and and basically it it a lot of this goes down to like first the first person to to use nukes has a huge advantage, right? So it's in it's in both sides' interest if there is to use nukes almost like immediately, right? Because you get them off first. Um, do, do you know what I mean? Like, if you get your nukes off first, you can do way more damage than the other person can. I mean, like there was uh, the Russians could basically destroy Europe within a matter of minutes, right? That's right. that's how badly it could go, right? So so. It, it, you know, you absolutely want to want to avoid that, right? I mean, it it really terrified me. Like, listen, I was like, okay, like this is pretty bad. Okay, I understand, you know, how the this could go catastrophically wrong if if you know if this isn't handled very, very, very sensibly and carefully, right? Now, there, now there is a sort of uh, um, you know, you have to stand up to Putin in in a certain in, in a certain way. Right, he has to be held accountable, but he has to be held accountable in a very rational um, kind of manner. Right, it's like if you do this, then this is going to happen, and then you do what you say you're going to do. Right, um, I think Biden was correct. He's like, if you touch NATO, if you go anywhere near, if you touch any any NATO land, you attack it, we're going to fight, we're going to shoot back. Like, be very very clear about that. So I think that that was, you know, he has to lay that, he has to lay that out. But then Biden then has to do absolutely everything in his power um, and all the Europeans have to do everything in their power to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? That they don't escalate things unnecessarily so that the Russians, you know, uh, attack NATO, um, you know, and escalate things further. So I think, like, they're doing a good job. I mean, thank God we've got an adult in the White House. Thank God. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? imagine? Yeah, I don't even want to think about what would be going on if Mm -hmm. Trump was in was in office. You know, it would be an absolute disaster. So yeah, Yeah. like you're completely right about this, guys. I I I I agree completely that this has got to be contained. I would urge everyone if you have a couple of hours this weekend, especially this weekend, you got to do it now. Uh, see if you can track down the movie 13 Days. It's about the Cuban Missile Crisis, and uh, there are more thorough portrayals of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, certainly there was a, uh, a thing in the yeah. 70s that was done that was uh, extensive. It was on PBS. It was a multi-part series about it. Uh, but 13 Days is a nice, compact, dramatic, compelling retelling of the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. And specifically, what it means to engage an enemy without necessarily firing a shot. And if you do fire a shot, if the uh, situation gets out of your hands, if it gets out of your control, and then suddenly people are firing at each other and escalating and escalating and escalating, then it becomes nuclear war. Uh, This is a great example of how best to engage in that chess match, how to uh, be aggressive without being aggressive. You know what I mean? How to push back, how to speak in terms of uh, military as diplomatic language, Um, And it was so on display during that crisis. And many of the 
uh, uh, scenes in the movie, in the movie 13 Days, are taken directly from the dialogue that was recorded in the White House. So it's one of the most accurate portrayals of that, uh, that you know, October of uh, 1962. So if you want kind of a primer in terms of how this shit should work with the United States confronting Russia, this is it. Check out that movie. Yeah, I consider that a horror movie. Just a heads up if you're going to watch it. I, I yeah. watch it. And I was like, oh, this is a horror film. I wasn't yeah. aware of that. The, the no only idea. thing horrifying to me in that movie, other than the prospect of nuclear war, is Kevin Costner's Boston accent. Yes. This is your report card. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I've got well, that you movie memorized. Robin Hood. You should see him in Robin Hood attempting an English yeah, accent. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I listen, if you thought that was bad, check out Robin Hood. Like, that's I mean, it's not good. bad the whole way through. There's just a couple sections where I'm like, wow, Kevin. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. Not good, um, Kevin. No, no, it's a, but you're right. I, that's a, It's a fantastic movie. I've been thinking about that recently as well. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, Bruce Greenwood plays JFK. Absolutely brilliant. The best on-screen JFK we've ever had. Such a perfect portrayal of him. And... Uh, uh, God, I want to say Robert. Stephen Culp plays uh, uh, Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy. Also mm. exceptional. Yeah, so I mean, you know, look, I, it's like it's pretty clear, right, that we 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 have to kind of do everything in our power to to avoid this, you know, going wrong. And um, I think that I ultimately think that cooler heads will prevail. And I also think that people around Putin, um, you know, are going to be like he might be deranged and a psychopath and cornered and at the you know that that you know what I mean like he might he realizes that he's there's no way out for him but that doesn't mean people around him are going to be willing to blow themselves up too right Putin might be I, I read somewhere and again this is just a rumor right this is just a rumor and and um who knows whether it has any 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 legs to it but there there, there was something out there that Putin may have cancer terminal cancer uh and oh, this, so is like, this is like he's trying to uh, live out his dreams before he goes. Great. Yeah, it's that, like the shittiest make a wish ever, I think. Right, right. <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly. So, I, you know, there, there could be a sort of uh, a kind of like, you know, it's a suicide mission for him. But it doesn't mean everybody around him wants to do that too. They're, I don't think anybody, everybody in, in the Kremlin are, are, are like, down to like destroy the entire planet and like moscow would evaporate in a fucking instance if they if they decided to if the nuclear war was launched like it would be gone yeah um, there isn't going to be a, a, a russian empire it'll just be you know ashes so yay congratulations you killed yeah, everyone else yeah. too and that's kind of was- what i'm saying too I, 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 extended on a long enough timeline with mm. this situation as it is right now one way or another russia gets destroyed this is yeah. a no win for Russia. It's just now a matter of the big question mark being how many of us is Putin going to take down with him? And that's to me, that's the terrifying prospect at this point. That, Everything the, seems yeah. to be going in a direction where Putin is being humiliated. The world is, as I keep saying, the world is laughing at his small dick, you know, and yeah. uh, his economy is in the shitter. He's defaulting on, uh, you know, his debt uh the russian debt and so on and so on and so on how does he lash out as a result of that 
and right. uh, how badly does it affect the world? How badly does it affect Russia? You know, it's a, it's a no win. So, so look, guys, there was an interesting piece by the historian Francis Fukuyama, who, who famously wrote The End of History, but he, an interesting guy, and he wrote this piece, and it's getting quite a lot of attention. Um, and he basically, his uh, sort of prognosis is that, the, like, it's over, right? The Russians have lost this. I'm going to summarize. He wrote um, that there were 12 points that he wrote, and I want to kind of summarize. I'm not going to go through all 12, but this is basically what he's saying. So he says that Russia is heading for an outright defeat in Ukraine. Um, the Russian planning was incompetent based on flawed assumptions that the Ukrainians were favorable to Russia and that um, and that their military would collapse immediately following an invasion. Uh, he says that um, the collapse of their position could be sudden and catastrophic rather than happening slowly through a war of attrition. The army in the field will reach a point where it can either be supplied or withdrawn and morale will vaporize. This is at least true in the north. The Russians are doing better in the south, but those positions would be hard to maintain if the north collapses. He also says, interestingly, there's no diplomatic solution to the war possible prior to this happening. There's no conceivable compromise that would be acceptable to both Russia and Ukraine, given the losses they have taken at this point. Uh, he He's quite pro-Biden in this. He says that the Biden administration's decisions not to declare a no-fly zone or help transfer Polish MiGs were both good ones. They've kept their heads during a very emotional time. It's much better to have the Ukrainians defeat the Russians on their own, depriving Moscow of the excuse that NATO attacked them, as well as avoiding all the obvious escalatory possibilities. Polish MiGs in particular would not add much to Ukrainian capabilities. Much more important is a continuing supply of javelins, stingers, TB2s, medical supplies, etc., etc. Um... He also uh, says that Putin will not survive the defeat of his army. He gets support because he's perceived to be a strong man. Who does, uh, what does he have to offer once he demonstrates incompetence and is stripped of his coercive power? Um, and then he also says, that from a kind of a wider point of view, he says that the invasion has done big damage to populists all over the world, uh, including um, uh, Matteo Salvini, Bolsonaro, Eric uh, Zemmour, Marine Le Pen, Viktor Orban, and of course Donald Trump. The politics of the war has exposed their openly authoritarian leanings. Uh, I think it's a good lesson for China about um, whether China wants to, if China wants to invade Taiwan. Um, you know, the fact that China, the, the Chinese army hasn't really had any ground combat experience for years, for for, a ver for decades and decades and decades, means a fight against Taiwan could be um, pretty disastrous. And he also thinks uh, the Russian defeat will make possible a new birth of freedom and get us out of our funk about the declining state of global democracy. Uh, the spirit of 1989 will live on thanks to a bunch of brave Ukrainians. So, wow, I hope he's right. I hope that's well, entirely 100% yeah. true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd highly recommend reading the the thing in full. I mean, it's quite short, but it's good. He makes a lot of concise. Um, uh, you know, it's very concise in his his kind of predictions, and I think they're they're well grounded as well. Uh, it, you know, it does seem to me that, like Bob, you were saying that Putin has really kind of checkmated himself here, uh, and the way the way to keep this going is that it's like it's really sad to say this, but you want to basically just ensure that the Ukrainians are funded and armed enough to hold these guys off and that means it means it's there's going to be more for, there's not that you know we have to wait till basically russia implodes like that's that's going to be 
that that, that that's what will will precipitate you know a real uh, peace settlement will be the implosion of Russia, and I you know that could well happen quickly. You know, I I think his prediction that that will happen quickly. You know what? History's unpredictable, right? It's like we don't know. You know, you're a strong man until you're not. Um, right. There, the, there was a sort of um, uh, a couple of examples of this, historic examples of this. One that was, it's not really. Uh, um, it was. It was in. It was in the UK. Uh, but Gordon Brown. So Gordon Brown, when Gordon Brown took over the Labour Party from um, Tony Blair and became Prime Minister, um, Gordon Brown was kind of seen as this extremely sort of um not authoritarian but very domineering um very sort of calculating extremely kind of like uh like a, he, you know he ruled with an iron fist you know and um he became prime minister and um he basically um dithered uh on i think it was the the um on the idea of a referendum um for 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 the eu um, Britain's membership in the EU. Um, don't quote me on that. I'll have to go and read. Re- but I forget what it was. But there was something that he did it on, right? You know, everyone expected him to be incredibly decisive, and he wasn't decisive on this one issue. Uh, and he kind of like said, "Oh, we're going to delay it. We're going to." And all of a sudden, the mystique around Gordon Brown was gone. Right? It was it evaporated overnight. And then I think one of the the Liberal Democrat leader um, at the time. Um, Nick Clegg said, you know, amazingly, o- overnight he's gone from Stalin to Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. That was basically it. That was the end of Gordon Brown. He, you know, he was prime minister for like barely a year. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was dreadful. Um, uh, it, it was amazing how fast he, he, he collapsed. You know, he had this kind of like, he was just, you know, he was always kind of waiting in the wings for Tony Blair to go. Like they'd made a deal so that when he, that he would take over and um, you know, he was very within the party. He was quite, quite, quite feared. Um, but yeah, like, you know, he, he, uh, he did it once and that was it. Um, and also um, Ceausescu, uh, the, the um, Romanian dictator, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the the end of um, uh, Ceausescu, um, Nicolae Ceausescu, and, and the Ceausescus in in Romania. I mean, it was like incredible watching. You can actually watch his regime collapse in real time. You go on YouTube and just watch. He does this speech in the square in Romania, and this and and um, the audience turns on him, and then basically like you know they 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 were like that was the end of it. Right within about an hour, he'd ruled the country for tw- two decades. And um, um, or maybe longer than that, and then that, that was it. That was the end of it. Um, he, he then he was shot. Him and his wife were put up on against the wall and shot. Damn, that's some yeah. speech. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. I mean, it was amazing to watch how quickly the guy went from being, um, you know, and then then the military just took. They took the took both of he and his wife outside and killed them. Uh, and you could see the look on their face thinking like, wait a second, you can't talk to me like that. Oh, you have a gun. Oh, shit, I'm going to die. You know, amazing. It was really incredible to watch. So these things can happen very fast. Yeah. Oh, yes. And well, very easily happen that, that way be. in Russia. Yeah. Well, the the thing that occurred, the thing that's been, I've been thinking about this, <laughs> like it, it's been occurring to me that if if a loss for Putin would be 
a, a massive crushing psychological blow for I, I can't speak for the rest of like the global right wing, but for the American right wing and the far left, right? Or the quote unquote left, that would be a massive psychological blow for them. They put a huge amount of eggs into Yowter. They put a lot of eggs into that basket with the hopes of proving that, you know, an ethno nationalist authoritarian could crush a democracy and pay no price for it. While mm. the West, um, meaning America, stood by and couldn't do anything at all. Mm. But Putin loses. And especially if the West makes sure that he loses by giving the democracy the tools it needed, that theory that America is weak goes right out the window. And uh, the problem is that there is one and only one way that the right and the far left will react to this. And I'm betting money on it, that if Putin loses, if his army collapses, like this guy says, and is forced to retreat, that the American far right is going to respond by accusing America of, and I swear to God, this is what they're going to do, that they're going to say they're waging war against the white race. Because that whole thing is ethnonationalism, right? It's all racism with them. And that's why they love Putin so much, because like he's the global leader of the of the you know white ethno-nationalism. Like he funds right-wing extremism all over the planet because it's great at undermining democracy. You know, the far left will call it woke imperialism or something stupid like that, that we're trying to force our woke culture on poor Russia, who the true victims in all of this. And they're gonna be absolutely enraged that Putin lost. And if he's removed from power, I mean, they're going to completely lose their shit. I mean, this is going to be one silver... It, this is the silver lining, really, isn't it? I mean, if this all goes badly for Putin and he goes down, like it is, I do think that, like, I mean, we, God damn it, we need a bit of good news, right? Like, we've just had a two-year pandemic. Um, you know, please, 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 can we just... Can we see the end of Putin, too? That would be nice. You know, and as long we, as the we end need of Putin a, think, gives way to uh, a more democratic Russia, <laughs> you know, yeah. Sometimes I I right. get nervous about deposing devils we know uh, in lieu of devils we have no idea about, and so uh, I'm always concerned about that. There could be a worse Putin waiting in the wings, but uh, that's a problem. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But well, you know, yeah, that's always like a point problem, of concern. One problem, one problem at a time. I think you know, get rid yeah, of this yeah. asshole. Donald Trump, by the way, did you see Donald Trump, by the way, retconning his view of Vladimir Putin this week uh, well, where he said that, oh, yeah, well, he's changed. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's changed. That was as harsh as Donald Trump gets on Vladimir Putin. Oh, he's changed. And the other thing he said is, yeah, I uh, I said he was smart when he moved his troops to the border. Which isn't oh my what Donald Trump said. Donald Trump reacted to Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine, not you know driving up to the border and standing there. That's not what he was saying was smart and genius. It was the invasion. It He's was such garbage. you know a, a war turning hot. That's what uh, Trump was reacting to. But now he's saying no, no. It was you know it was just when Putin went up to the border. Just think about it, though. Yeah. I know it's like a devil that you know and all that, but if Putin goes and he's not replaced by someone just as bad, or if, like Russia moves in a you know less radical um, uh, direction, if they move back towards like you know a regular democracy or something even slightly in that direction, 
that's like removing the Koch brothers of white nationalism. Because yeah. that would be fun. Because I don't know if anyone's going to be able to step into that role the same way. And that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Well, no, so I, much I, of uh, so much of our uh, our stress right now globally and certainly inside the United States is driven by Russian disinformation, which continues on and on and on. And so yeah, they uh, just booted RT off the off the air in in um, in, in in the UK. Uh, Ofcom, the regulator, booted uh, booted RT off the air, which is about time. What a um, damn shame. Yeah, damn shame. Well, speaking about um, Ofcom, the regulator, this this in in a roundabout way brings us to our our, our my little spat this week uh, with Glenn Greenwald. I went I, I went after Glenn Greenwald a few years ago about about um, uh, Ofcom. Um, weirdly, like he attacked the British regulator uh, it, 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 again and didn't do any of his research and was attacking the regulator for doing something when it hadn't even been created. Um, so, which is a classic Glenn Greenwald fuck up. But anyway, this this uh, which brings me to him attacking me um, this this week. I wrote about it in a big piece uh, because it was so funny. It was absolutely hilarious, and um, I, I basically, you know, to, the background story is that I tweeted something to Matt Taibbi saying like, "Why are you retweeting Greenwald? Like, your reputation is already in the toilet." Like, do you know what I mean? If you're retweeting Glenn Greenwald doesn't it's not you're not doing yourself any favors here anyway glenn greenwald uh, has blocked me on twitter many he blocked me on twitter many years ago um so he anyway he unblocked me to go after me right to go after me and he went out to and to go after the banter when he you basically his feelings said, like, yeah he said like no you know like matt type matt, matt and i've been sharing each other's articles uh for years you know um defending each other for years and that means that you know um sure but our credibility and i've won a pulitzer prize but yeah my credibility uh you know doesn't mean anything um and then he also then started linking to article he linked to a piece about me about the banter in t from 2019 he screenshotted it and and tweeted it out to all his millions of followers 1.7 million followers saying that you know this guy is basically a loser his website collapsed when trump disappeared and nobody pays any attention to him, blah, 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 blah. Um, right, which would have been like, you know, look, you know, partially true, the banter did collapse. Uh, it was very sad. Uh, we did have, we were getting, you know, big, pretty damn big traffic. I will say on a budget so, so, so much smaller than Greenwald's uh, billionaire buddy, Pierre Omidyar, who funded his... Uh, uh, intercept um venture um but but what regardless right so he said that you know green greenwald said that uh, the banter collapsed when when trump went but the article he posted was from 2019 right and the banter collapsed um in 2000 and, in 2018 was it wasn't trump still president then that, well, that's how it worked right that, yeah, that's I how mean, four-year you know, terms work yeah so i was one I, as soon as he tweeted this to me i was thinking like wait a second like does he has he did he read the article that he screenshotted that he went he dug through archives he must have he must have like done quite a lot of research to get to that article right so he found this article like the, even in the headline it says like facebook like ruined this guy's website right? so everybody knows that that um 
the banter collapsed uh, because Facebook changed their newsfeed algorithm, decimated our traffic, and then shut down advertising to politics sites, right? So given a lot yeah, of our so Which happened came- to a number of other sites. I mean, I don't know, yeah. in the dozens, if not hundreds of and other And he sites. would have had to have seen that too. I mean, I'm sure The Intercept was not immune to that. Yeah. It wasn't I mean, like he, sure he, their he, traffic had to take a hit too. Sure, but I mean, the, the, when you've got a billionaire funder, like, who, who cares? Like, oh, he doesn't yeah, care. I'm not saying they were in any threat of going offline, but I'm sure they, someone would have said, hey, our traffic just got nuked. Like, like we're only taking in half of what we were taking in, which is still a lot for them. But he had to know about it. He had to know about it, right? But it was in the goddamn headline of the article, and the entire art, the entire interview is a friend of mine, Simon Owens, um, who's a media journalist. He interviewed me about like what happened, and I, you know, I was pretty clear about it. I'm like, look, you know, we got a lot of traffic from Facebook when Facebook shut down ninety percent of their of their referral traffic. It, it hit our bottom line so badly that we just couldn't continue at, at, in that current structure. Um, and, and on top of the advertising collapse as well. So they cut the ads and they cut the traffic, which was like, it was just too much. It was too much to sustain. And, um, you know, it, I'm like, so why would you attack me saying that the site collapsed because when Trump went, when Trump was in office and the article was clearly about Facebook wrecking our traffic. I mean, this is like a classic Greenwald, an absolute classic, like hilarious fuck up when the guy, he can't be bothered to do the most basic of fact checking, which in that case, all he had to do was read the headline of the article that he cited to know that this was a stupid line of attack. Right, and it was anyway. So I wrote a piece about it because I just thought it was just like you—you you can't make this up. And this guy is like a, a respected journalist, right? He's supposed well was a respected journalist. was, yeah, was. <laughs> please, yeah, was. You know what? And I would question even the was part. I right, and that that brings me to the Ofcom thing, right? He got so he got the, lucky. Edward Snowden gave him some shit, and that <laughs> that right. transformed his career. He he got damn lucky, right? But he also like there was a, a piece I always cite. Um, when when just showing how bad a journalist Greenwald is, was about um, uh, when 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 Greenwald. Um, I think he wrote about I, f- I forget what. I think it was at the invasion of Iraq, and about how when Ofcom was was threatening to 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 um, uh, sanction RT in the UK or kick them off the air, which they have done now. This is a few years ago, but Greenwald was saying, you know, why is the regulator? Um, uh, picking on 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 um, on RT, right? Well, they didn't say anything about BBC when when uh, the the UK government invaded invaded Iraq back in two thousand three. But the, if he'd done any research on this, he would have realised that Ofcom didn't even exist then, right? So how was the British regulator that didn't exist going to caution oh the BBC? Right. I mean, this is just sort of very, very, very basic things like that. He he wrote an entire piece exposing the hypocrisy of Ofcom and the British government when the, the, the entire basis of his argument was flawed, right? Because he hadn't done just the most basic fact-checking, right? Well, I just mean, compare a timeline, for example. I mean, how – it's it's crazy. Well, this is the guy in an interview. He talked about how – he picks his uh, he picks his conclusion and then he works backwards like a lawyer. You know, it's like that's not journalism. 
that's not journalism at yeah. all. That, that's that. What are you do? What yeah. are you even talking about? And the other thing he does, you know, he uh, his tactic when he was an active practicing lawyer was not necessarily to win his cases, but to bury his opponents in uh, discovery and paperwork and legal fees. And so what he kind of does as a, a political, uh, you know, as a political debater is to bury his opponents, to basically just call out his opponents and then use his gigantic following to bury you in replies and mentions and this endless go nowhere debate. And it's sort of related to how he would uh, handle his uh, legal matters as well. Uh, just yeah, uh, man, completely overwhelming you, not winning necessarily, just overwhelming you, punishing you for daring to oppose him. Yeah, and that's what's happened to, to 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 me. I've had to block all these people in Twitter on Twitter, and you know, you still get these like grifter, you know, these trolls like with an anonymous um, Twitter handles, anonymous Twitter users uh, going after me. Um, you know, going into my timeline, like commenting on the photo, my profile photo on Twitter. It's just sad. Um, but anyway, look, we're going to talk a bit more about Greenwell, but I wanted to talk to, to, to bring that up uh, because it was, that was like the, uh, the, the, the week, a uh, week of fun handling Glenn Greenwell, Twitter trolls and about just how <laughs> ridiculous he is as a character. Uh, so look guys, let's move on to our both sides. Um, the both sides, we've got some hilarious ones for you today everybody this is our uh, uh justin do you want to go first yeah so um the trucker convoy th- that finally made its way to washington dc has been rolling around for the last couple of weeks not really doing much uh oh i, I gotta know I-, I-, I know you guys live nearby do you have you been able to hear them honking yeah, their I horns was late for lo- i was i was going for i went for lunch with someone um on on uh wednesday and i bumped into them that in downtown dc they made me late for my for my lunch meeting they were but they were just driving around dc beeping at people and waving american flags it was really annoying what about you ben uh bob i i haven't seen them at all uh although i hardly ever leave my house so (laughs) well i haven't but i I mean i was was out driving around I was out driving around uh, on Sunday. In fact, I was on the Beltway on Sunday. I didn't see them. Uh, I think at that point they were uh, headed toward D.C., uh, headed up uh, 395 Shirley Highway uh, and 14th Street Bridge and all that crap. So I I wouldn't have encountered them in any way. Yeah, I didn't even realize they were still here until I was working on my desk and I heard honking off in the distance. And I'm like, what is that? Why am I hearing honking? And why is it still? It's like for like 10 minutes, I'm hearing honking. I'm like, what the hell is that? And it's way off in the distance. And I realize I'm like, wait, that's coming from DC. That's like in the DC area. And I looked online. I'm like, holy crap, they're still here. That's when I realized that the truckers were still running around. So I was like, okay, what are these guys actually doing? And that's when I came across an interview with um, one of the truckers, uh, a woman driving her truck for SS Carrier. And these guys don't seem to know what they're actually protesting at this point. They're just babbling. And the, the, the good liars, right? This is posted on the good liars. And they asked her what she wants. And her answer was, I don't want to be digitized. And he was like, what? What's, what's digitized? 
uh, that that's where that's where they 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 make you into uh you know they make you into a robot and they 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 control you with the stuff they put in your body and you know they have female robots ready and I don't want to be controlled. And she was serious, like she meant it. I'm assuming she meant digitized, probably because I don't know. I've never heard digitized, and I watch a lot of sci-fi, and that was a new word for me. But she really thinks that getting the getting the vaccine means they're going to be able to con- literally physically control you with something probably microchips in the vaccine and she didn't want to be turned into a female robot because they have those these people oh. are fucking crazy wow and there is nothing like that on the left like even the craziest people on the left there is just there's nothing nothing yeah. like that nothing yeah I can't. I can't even think of the wildest thing on the left. Is nothing like that. Yeah. No, I agree. Wow. Um, all right. I've got, I've got my one. <laughs> I've got my one. Here, see if we can hear this, everybody. Here we go. This is. Uh... And he's also recommending a fourth COVID vaccine shot. Now, I don't know about you guys, but many of us were vaccinated as, as kids against polio. We had our MMR. And I have never seen the CDC coming out saying, oh, you've got to get your second polio shot. You've got to get your third. You've got to get your fourth. And this may continue to keep going. That, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, <sighs> talking about the CDC saying that, you, you know, when have you ever seen the CDC saying that you need to get your second, third, fourth polio shot? Um so if you go to the CDC website, uh, the agency's website um, explains very clearly that the polio vaccination is a four-dose regimen. Um, <laughs> she's, so, she's not well. You've got to, I mean... <laughs> you I swear to God. <laughs> I'm you owned, I tell you what, I am totally owned by that. <laughs> yeah. Owned, she has yeah. owned the libs once again. Congratulations. She's owned the libs MTG. once again. Yeah. The, C- the CDC specifically says that polio vaccine is a four dose regimen. But um, anyway, if you get asked to do more than two COVID shots, then apparently this is a deep state plot to, uh, what is it, microchip you, Justin? Is that the. Yeah, that, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah the, the other day I tweeted to her, it's like, you know, inbreeding and lead paint can't explain you. Because I honestly don't know what's wrong with her. Oh man, that's, that's, that's messed up. <laughs> uh, um, um, yeah, just quickly. Again, you don't see this type of lunacy on the left. I'm sorry, you just don't. Um, Bob, have you got? All right. Well, yeah, I hate to call attention to this guy because he's kind of a low level uh, right wing pundit. His name is Peter Schiff. And he's a former Republican Senate candidate in Connecticut. He's the chief economist at Euro Pacific Capital. And he wrote on Twitter the other day after uh, President Zelensky's uh, joint session remarks before Congress that uh, <laughs> Zelensky shouldn't have worn a T-shirt during his uh, congressional remarks. He said here on Twitter, Peter Schiff, I understand times are hard, but doesn't the president of Ukraine own a suit? I don't have much respect for current members of the U.S. Congress either, but I still wouldn't address them wearing a T-shirt. I wouldn't want to disrespect the institution or the United States. 
Considering that Zelensky's suits wow. are probably under a thousand tons of rubble, uh, I'm not sure exactly what this guy would have expected. You can't just go down to Joseph A. Banks in Kiev and pick up a suit when, you know, Russia's invading. So this is the, and I don't even know if Joseph A. Bank exists in Russia. That was just a joke, but suffice to say, uh, you know, I don't know what this guy's expectations are, but it seems like Republicans are really interested in what people wear and what, on what occasions. I mean, this guy's like the Joan Rivers on, he's like being like Joan Rivers on the red carpet uh, with Zelensky and so on. Uh, who's that guy? Blackwell, who is another uh, critic who would do, criticize everyone's clothing. Uh, that's what this guy's acting like. And we saw this with Barack Obama, too. How dare he take his jacket off in the Oval Office or put his feet up on the desk or wear a tan suit? I mean, we see this all the time. I don't know why they're so interested in this shit. But they certainly are. And shallow. there's a so layer shallow. of hypocrisy in it, too. And so far as, uh, you know, God, I hate to go back to this one. But, you know, we had tons of pictures of uh, Ronald Reagan wearing a tan suit. We had tons of pictures of George W. Bush with his feet up on the desk in the Oval Office. Uh, you know, but uh, of course, it's always the Democrats who are being disrespectful. But they were white, Bob. Yeah. In this case, it's Zelensky. A guy who's, uh, you know, running for his life, basically, at this point, trying to lead a nation that's been invaded by one of the world's uh, largest superpowers. And uh, <laughs> I think he can be forgiven for not wearing a suit and a tie uh, to, to his video address before Congress. Utterly stupid. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Also, you know, I can imagine if he'd worn a suit and tie, they'd be like, you know, his people are being shot at and he had the time to wear a suit and tie, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's always going to be something. Yeah. Well, they're always looking for an excuse to attack Zelensky. Exactly. Remember the Republicans at their core are pro-Putin, anti-Zelensky, anti-Ukraine. But it's but also pro-Putin. I mean, the, with right. this whole uh, song and dance they're going through right now, they have no other choice. And what's really entertaining, guys, is to watch the Fox News tap dance uh, around all of this uh, around this entire story where what are they originally they were they were all about hey why is Putin Putin's not that bad why does everyone hate Putin and then suddenly now it's like oh we got to fucking nuke Putin <laughs> that's that's what's called overcompensating right right uh, and and also I mean you like they had you know one of the I think it was a Fox News cameraman got got killed um, this week um I wondered. I wondered what Tucker Carlson had to say about that. Um, nothing good. Said, yeah, nothing good. Right. I, um, I'm still. I'm still betting that ten seconds after the election, because that's why they have to do this. They have to do it for the for the midterms. Ten seconds after voting is done, they're going to go right back to being anti anti Putin or just pro Putin. Yeah. Because they yeah. don't have to worry about the election anymore, so they don't have to pretend. Right. Well, it depends whether Putin sticks around or he loses. If he, they don't like or a he's loser, still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. They don't like a loser. I've got to say that, right? If he's a lo if he's a loser, that they'll drop him. Um, which is why I think you know, going back to Francis Fukuyama's piece about how damaging this is to kind of nationalists around the world, that this is like you know, this is cutting the ball, cutting Putin's balls off. Uh, which is the best case scenario here, is going to cut the balls off of most of these guys as well, most of these authoritarians. And that is no bad thing. Um, but uh, guys, uh, thank you for that. That was that was great. Yeah, thank, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to head into the members section now um, where we're going to talk a bit about the time when Bob... It was over a sustained period of time, actually, when Bob just basically dismantled Glenn Greenwell, but it was specifically about his reporting 
on the on the NSA. So if you if you're not aware of of, of this and and how Bob did that and and what he was seeing that a lot of others didn't. Uh, you want to listen to this because it's really it's a great story, and uh, I think Bob, that was one of your finest, um, finest moments. Uh, w- w- was or one of my of... most insane moments. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it, it was pretty brave given that the, at the time we've got to explain you know what was going on at the time as you well. Damn why, lot. <laughs> yeah, but but why saying this was actually quite controversial and quite kind of like going against the grain, and and we took a lot of shit for that at the banter. But oh, yes, anyway. We, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that. Um, we're gonna post this for to, to access this. You have to go, uh, you know, to be a Banter member. Uh, we're gonna post this on the newsletter, so you can get it on uh, at the website at the thebanter.substack.com. You'll be able to see the members only post. We'll post a link to it as well in the newsletter, so you should be able to see that. And then you can get fifty uh, percent off a Banter membership uh, and listen to it. And your support would be greatly appreciated. That's how we pay the bills here at the banter uh, very still much uh, very much alive um uh, so just to uh thumb our noses at glenn greenwald we are still here uh, <laughs> thanks to you guys thanks to all our paid members who who are making that possible um so thank you everybody and we will see you next week <laughs>